Pitch Warmers, we are hoping that you're enjoying your Friday, and uh, I got something that should make it a little bit better. Better Bonus episode, another bonus Friday from the Far End of the Bench podcast, and the guests that I have today should also make it even that much better. Ladies and gentlemen, joining today on the Far End of the Bench podcast, now two-time NCAA D2 National Wrestling Tournament qualifier and 2022 NCAA All-American at 165 pounds, Western Colorado University Mountaineer. Hunter Mullen, thank you very much for uh, jumping on the podcast I and uh, taking some time away from training, because I know that's all you wrestlers do. Like, you guys got one speed. It's training or eating, and, and you're not eating right now. So thank you for joining us. No, hey, thanks, Jimmy. It's awesome. I'm, I was pumped when he asked me, and, yeah, always fun to sit down and talk about wrestling. So, But I was eating right before I got on, so, you know, it, it, uh, it, it never stops. Yeah, so. for, for people who don't know wrestling, yeah, it, it's – uh, Hunter and I are Hunter and I both are, are aware, but like if you're not eating, you might as well be working out so you can eat more later. Like, yeah, it, there is really only two speeds. But uh, Hunter, I, I wanted to have you on where obviously it's been it's a, an excuse to see you and talk to you because I haven't actually been able to speak to you since before the pandemic, like in person. So getting you back That's on fun. that way and uh yeah, we, I mean, we started working in res life. You were a uh, year freshman year was my second year. So we're, we're fairly close in age. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been been wild how long it's been since, you know, we actually uh, were able to, to get in contact or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been it's all strung together. Every year's just become one big, long year since I got here. So. Yeah, and you started college like a year later than me, but you're only going into your senior year. Like the COVID year totally screwed everything up. But uh, uh, just real quickly, let's get into let's. – I'm going to ask you some questions so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better because obviously I, I know you fairly well. Um, mm-hmm. But it, for those people who are listening now or maybe your family members <clears throat> or something like that, people checking out the podcast, uh, Go Mountaineers has your hometown listed as Clay Center, Kansas. Is that correct? Yep. That's correct. Okay. Clay Center, Kansas. I'm actually from a little town um, south, southeast of there or southwest of there called Longford. Um, super small town, like probably 50 people. Um, but we live we live right outside of that. But, yeah, I went to school in Clay Center, grew up in Clay Center. All my family's from there. Um, so, yeah, just living out in the out in the boonies there in Kansas. So the, the transition to Gunnison from when you basically traded one small town for another, except Gunnison might've seemed a little bit bigger with the college and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, Clay center is about the same size in terms of population as Gunnison. And yeah. So right. besides wrestling, what, what do you guys do for fun normally? I know you're a big outdoors guy. So is it mainly hunting and fishing when you're not in season or what else is there to do out? What'd you basically, what'd you spend your time doing growing up? What were your hobbies? Um, yeah, I was outside all the time. Um, did a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing. Um, mostly, I guess what I do now, I mostly coyote hunt when I'm home, me and my brother and my dad are huge coyote hunters and bird hunters and really just whatever you can, whatever you can look down a barrel at we do. Um, and so that's super fun. Always played sports growing up, pretty much tried everything. Um, it was, it was fun. Cause I was kind of the, I feel like me and you, we were kind of the last generation before everyone was plugged in. Um, and so we were just always, always outside finding something to do or getting in trouble or something. Right. Yeah. And even like, I, I don't have the small town experience from growing up. So I, I can assume that whole pretty much latchkey gen, you're ba- basically an extrovert version of the latchkey generation since all you basically had to find your own entertainment. Um, 
were you pushed a certain way or were you always more of like a wrestling fan? You play, I know you play football in high school, but uh, yeah. growing up, like, did you love wrestling the way that you love it now? I, I'll tell you just from personal experience, I hated wrestling up until sixth grade. Like I quit yeah. going into sixth grade and took all of that year off and then came back and found the love for it again. But I, I absolutely hated it. So what was your early experience with wrestling and did you love it as much as you do now? So no, I did not. Um, so I'm from a, Clay Center was a total wrestling powerhouse in the 2000s. We won five state titles from 02 to 2011. Um, we were ranked in the country for a little bit. And so you, you just grow up seeing these guys and you're like, man, I want to try this. I want to wrestle. And um, a couple of my really good buddies that live down the road from us, they wrestled. And so one day it was like, I was like a first grader. I was like, yeah, let's, I'll go to wrestling practice. And it was just kind of what everyone tried. And I was not good. I mean, I was, I was pretty, I was a pretty soft, pretty passive little kid. Um, I was super hyper and like super active, but just didn't understand like physical, physical sports that much, like those contact sports. Like I didn't really want to want to do it that much. Um, but I stuck it out for a couple years. And then I remember one time I had like just a really bad tournament. And I told my dad, I'm like, Hey, I'm not, I'm done. Like I'm not going to practice next week. And so probably like halfway through third grade, I quit and played basketball for a few years and got really big into football and then went out again in seventh grade just to kind of, just cause I knew it would help me with football. Um, and I tried again and the, the bug kind of bit me then and, in seventh grade and I was just, I was hooked on it. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the similarity, because as you're talking like early on, I, I never necessarily had, are you the oldest? I know you said you had a brother. Are you the oldest? Yeah. So, yeah, so I got a, I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Yeah. I, I feel like it's different because we, I wrestle, you, you wrestle with your siblings, but then when you get into that area and clay center being a powerhouse, I was actually, I didn't know it at the time, but wrestling for, Pomona High School's youth group, which uh, mm -hmm. turned into one of the better youth programs in the state of Colorado. I was just like, when you're not, I wasn't indoctrinated into it. And I, I didn't have anybody that I could look up to. And then when you're going out there, it's a hard sport to just get your ass kicked in every single yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you don't, and you don't want to lose. You don't understand when you're that young, you don't understand why you're losing. Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, I'm just not good at this. And so it, it takes a, it takes definitely a perspective shift when you're yeah. younger. Dev and because the, the the coaches are watching the entire time and you have people telling you exactly what you did to lose it's that ability that's why I, I love wrestling and think that it's one of the best sports to play especially as you develop because you got to let your ego go and not mm -hmm. think that you understand everything as to what went on and you just got like got caught in the fluke there's a step in a process and uh you, as much as we all hate to lose you can learn so much especially from losing in a wrestling match yeah. And I think that was a difference once I got into junior high was because like my, I mean, I wasn't like a, I don't think I was like a natural or anything, but I just loved working. I loved doing it. And so, and I think that's where I fell in love with it was like the curiosity of, all right, what's one thing I can do to close the gap on this guy or one thing I can do to maybe score two or three more points in this match. And then it just kind of started building on itself. And, you know, eventually you're, you're beating those, those guys that you never thought you would even be close to. Well, as you're going through, you're playing football, you come back to wrestling. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you already know you wanted to play a sport in college or were you kind of just playing sports to pass the time? Was college even something that you wanted to do? 
Yeah. So, so I wanted to play in the NFL, like every other, like every kid wants to play in the NFL. And so, and, and my dad played college football and my mom uh, ran track in college and, and they never, it was never like this thing. Like, oh, you have to do it. But I think we had a very, just like that natural competition in our house. And, and that was kind of like, they never, I never got pressured into doing sports, but it was like, man, I love doing this stuff. Like I, I just always loved competing and I liked, I, I liked beating people and it was, it was just, it was fun. And so I knew, I think I was up until I was probably a sophomore in high school, I was pretty set on playing football in college. Um, and then, you know, just wrestling kind of took over my life. And I decided that was what I really wanted to buckle down and be good at. Do you kind of remember that initial thought in your head where you're like, maybe college football is not for me, but I can try out this college wrestling thing. And then when you did make that switch, did you have people telling you, because I, I shocker, the wrestling team worked harder than the football team. Like both teams work very hard, but college wrestling practices, I can't even imagine because the high school wrestling practices that I went through were 10 times more difficult than any football practice I could have had in college. So yeah. Did you have that conversation or anything? No. And I guess it was probably, it wasn't really changing my mind on what I wanted to do in college. It was just, I didn't, when I didn't, I qualified for state my freshman year and I didn't place. And I was up until that moment, I was like, just happy to be there. And then I didn't place. And I was just like way more upset than I thought I would be. And so I was sitting there watching the state finals my freshman year and I just like couldn't stand not being that guy. Like I couldn't stand not being as good as I could at this. And so it wasn't really that I made the decision to do it in college over football. It was that I, I don't know if I would be able to like just the, the accountability of it was insane to me and the standard that I wanted to hold myself to. And I felt like wrestling was a sport that I could do that the, the best in and and football, it's hard because, like, I was a decent high school football player, but not great. I wasn't getting a ton of looks for football. Um, I wasn't very big. I wasn't very fast. And so it's hard to get looks. And I got – I just always remember being being frustrated that when I was out of a play or, like, when a play wasn't coming my way or something like that. And so I think maybe there was, there was definitely a little bit of, like, selfishness. Like, I, like, I want to be the guy that people are watching. And I want to be the guy that's on that stage. And so I think that was maybe a big part of it. Yeah, that that makes sense. And it is strange, too, because wrestling, a lot like these other individualized team sports, you can go out there and you could dominate your guy that you wrestled. But your team, that that could be the only match that you guys win all night. You can't celebrate. You can't feel you feel good, but you can't feel great. So. It, it is definitely a different mindset from these other more, I guess, quote unquote, traditional sports. And uh, was, was that something you were kind of aware of at the time? Or is that something where you look back and go, that's more of the reason why I, I made this decision to go down this path? Yeah, no, I think it was it definitely came later. Um, you know, when you're in that moment, when you're 13 or 14 years old, you don't think about why you're doing what you're doing. But looking back on it, I I would like just, I wanted that pressure on me and I hated the idea of I could do my job right. And I could still be on the losing end. You know, even at least in wrestling, you can do what you're supposed to do and you can still come out with a W. And, 
and like I said, not that I was that good at any other sports, but just like, I, I like if we were going to lose, I wanted it to be my fault, I guess. And if we were going to win, I, if, if we were going to get a win, I wanted it to be because I won. Um, so that was, I think looking back on it, that was probably it when I was younger. Yeah. That shows a, a level of leadership that a lot of people I'm, I'm sure were excited when they, when they ended up discovering that in you. So you talked a little bit about the football recruiting. How was your experience getting recruited for wrestling? I guess maybe give us a general overview of what your experience of wrestling recruiting was like, because we've had football players on, but never anybody who did something else in college. So what was that like? Um, It's really, it's probably pretty similar. I think when I won, so I won state my junior year and I was kind of, expecting people to reach out to me a little bit and some schools had like uh like Fort Hayes was recruiting me pretty hard and some other um a couple in a I don't know if any NAIs were maybe I'm not sure but a couple schools had reached out and but I wasn't getting like that like big recruit attention level um which makes sense like outside of Kansas 4A I hadn't really done much at that up until that point like I hadn't placed in any national tournaments or beating any top ranked guys or anything like that. Um, so I guess at the beginning it was kind of frustrating. Um, and then my junior year, so it's kind of a funny story. So the summer between my junior and senior year, um, we have family out in Montrose and we went and we were driving out here and we stopped and visited Pueblo and that trip, it was kind of just like an unofficial visit, like nothing super impressive, like, you know, not, not great. And so, so I, we're Western podcast. You don't have to hold that. Yeah, no. Yeah. And so it was whatever, um, knew I probably wasn't going to go there. And then the, one of my dad's buddies called him and he was like, Hey, I know you guys are going out there. Like you should stop in Gunnison and check out Western. And we're like, all right. And so we're like, might as well, we're here. And so call up, uh, Miles Van He and, you know, and it was just like a totally different experience to what I had, like, he had just met me and he was treating me like the biggest recruit they had um, took like, took us out to lunch, let us go see the wrestling room, like all these things just on an unofficial visit. And I was like, like just made me feel like I, like they wanted me here. And it was the first school that I was like, man, I can see myself going here. And so after that, everyone else that recruited me kind of compared me to what, like I kind of compared to Western and I took a couple visits. Like I took a visit to Hayes and to Baker um, in Kansas, but then, uh, I, I signed with Western in November of my senior year. And so you're, that was you're that early for, for wrestling standards. Cause that's, yeah. that's before the season and everything. Uh, it's funny too, because you mentioned, I was, I actually, one of my questions was referencing coach Van He, and mm. it was more, you were technically you were like the first or second recruiting class that Pfeiffer had where he was the head coach that yeah. Van he wouldn't have had anything to do with after he made that transition to athletic director. Um, mm. But that whole like wrestling, the, unless you've been, unless you're an alumni of Western or like been around the campus to understand the culture of that wrestling team, that's one of the most solid foundations that I've, I think I've ever been around and I wasn't even directly involved. I just called wrestling matches on the radio yeah. station and, and you could still tell like Pfeiffer and, and Van, he had made that place just an incredible culture. And, and you guys all love each other on the team. It just seems like a really special environment. No, it, for sure. And, and, you know, can't, can't say enough about coach Pfeiffer. Absolutely. 
the, the things that that guy has done for me. And the, he's the been a guest too. So he, 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 he's listened and McMahill's listened. So they're probably expecting their shout outs too. just throwing that so out there. They're getting their shout outs. Don't worry. Yeah. Can't say enough about those guys at all. They're, they're the best. Well then when we do get to Western um, and, and everything like that, you come in and, and red shirt, was that a process like, well, actually, before we get to that, you go from Kansas, which is notoriously flat, to the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Was there a little bit of an adjustment there? Like, not have you can't see the rest of the state when you stand at your front door? Yeah. Yeah. Kansas, you can watch your dog run away for a week out there, man. Uh, it's different for sure. But yeah, it was like, and, and we had always like come up here for spring break and for summers, like up in, up along I 70 there, and we skied and snowboarded a lot out there. So I'd been out here um and I always loved it you know I always loved Colorado um it was when I got a chance to go to school out here I was like gung-ho set on it um but it was an adjustment I remember like driving home from Christmas break or driving home for Thanksgiving my freshman year and it was like holy dude I can breathe again like I'm not I don't feel like claustrophobic anymore but yeah it was you gotta go work out at home and just run for days that that's the best part about it oh it's great it's it's a different feeling uh, so then you get there, you redshirt your initially. Was that something that the coaches, uh, when you talked to Piper and, and those guys, when you got there, was that something that was kind of decided or were you competing for a starting job the day you stepped on campus? No, I wasn't. So, and, and honestly, I wanted a redshirt. I, I was, I was down for it. Um, I think for, and there's, there's your guys like that are, are can come in and are ready to go. Um, I still had a lot of growing to do um, as a freshman. I could, you know, I could, I could compete, um, but I wasn't like on that level. Like we had good guys in that room. We had Ryan Pello and Sean Byrigger and Travis Bradford and guys like that, that like they, they put their whoopings on me. And then obviously you could move up and you got super naw. Um, so I was, I was more excited to just eat it up from those guys. Um, I was, just ready to learn as much as I could coming in. Um, so I was, I was fine with red shirting. I wrestled a lot of matches, my red shirt year. I think I wrestled 25 or 26 matches um, just at open tournaments. And it was definitely a year that I needed for sure. Yeah, that's the best part about, I think red shirting when you wrestle is that you can still go and actually get live competition at these open tournaments. You just don't, you're competing unattached is how they call it. So that's, that's great. And then, with those guys that you were talking about in front of you, especially like guys like Superna who've been there and dominated the RMAC conference for the entire time that they were in college, pretty much. And, you know, as a, a high school wrestler in Colorado, myself, just the, the legend of Brandon Superna from Colorado Springs was, was something else where, where guys like that open to taking you under their wing and teaching you. Is that kind of how, how things work in the room? Yeah. So I was, I was on Superna's hip pretty much those, those first two years. Um, yeah, I was probably, probably annoyed him sometimes, but, you know, every, every chance I got, you know, I was asking him questions or picking his brain on stuff and, and he was great. I mean, he took me under his wing and, you know, showed me the ropes and he was, you know, and he always said, he's like, someday you're going to be in this situation. Like, this is what you need to be ready for. This is how it's going to be. And, and he was super gracious and super willing to just let me pick his brain as a freshman. And all those guys were um, at that time. And, we had a really good, solid core group of leadership then that, you know, they were, they were willing to 
help me out with whatever I needed. That's, that's great to hear. And it's cool to, to think about, like, I was in a situation where I was seeing those guys a lot and, and calling their matches. And then you, you think about it. And the reason why we're able to talk about wrestling is such a, a great program, especially at Western is the fact that you guys do help each other out. You, there's yeah. no, there isn't uh, I'm the number one, so I'm going to be the, the leader and, and nobody else is going to be able to touch me. That's the best part about wrestle offs too, is that you, you're never safe necessarily in wrestling. Like any, any given week, if you slip up and the guy below you beats you, it's their turn to shine and you kind of got to be okay with that and, and ready to go back to the grindstone. Um, during that season, was there conversation at all about maybe pulling your red shirt and, and having you earn some points for the team at a tournament? Was that ever a, a need that season? No, no, there was never, never really any talk of it. Um, I, tra so I, I traveled with the varsity that year and, but that was kind of more just to get experience with traveling and being around the team on, on road trips and being an extra workout partner. But, as far as I can remember, there's really, I mean, Ryan Pella was, was tearing it up that year and he was pinning fools and yeah, he was, yeah. he was beating guys. And so there was never really any discussion of it during that red shirt year. I remember that season. That was the the winter of the cow catcher in Gunnison. Cause that dude, yeah. would, he would be getting his ass kicked for like six and a half minutes of the match. And then all of a sudden he'd be pinning him and oh, earning yeah. six points. And you're like, what? Man. So good on top. I mean, yeah. that dude, we had, we had a practice one day where we just went live for an hour and I bet I was on bottom for 55 minutes against him. I mean, he was, he was a hammer. Those are the days where you get out and you're just like, you feel like you weigh 130 or 300 pounds because you had another yeah. 150 pound man on your back for the entire yeah. entirety of two hours. Uh, so then at the end of that first season, you applied to be an RA. You started to work in res life. Uh, it's, fairly common at Western for the wrestling team to be involved in that. Was that, is that something that the coaches kind of push on you or was that a decision you kind of made on your own? No, that was kind of me and my parents. Um, I mean, it's a great scholarship and a good job to have um, on campus and it opens up a lot of doors for you. And so kind of at the probably halfway through my freshman year, me and me and my parents started working on that. And I had talked to guys that had been RAs like slaughter and super non guys like that, that, you know, kind of helped me out with it and guided me along. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a lot to figure out, but you know, once I got in it, it was, wasn't, wasn't too hard to catch on to. Yeah. I, that's kind of where, I mean, obviously that's where you and I met. That's where I got close with Stearman because he and I were working in the same complex and uh, even just the wrestlers throughout the rest of the staff too. I can't uh, I'm blanking on, on the other guys that, that were wrestlers that were also RAs at that time, but it was a, it was cool. It was a cool way to meet up, especially as fellow athletes. That was like, yeah, that was the one sure. thing I was looking for when I showed up to orientation. Yeah. I was like, all right. And then I saw the cloudflower here on you guys. I was like, that's my section. That's where I'm yeah, going to be. Absolutely. Those absolutely. are the guys that I'm going to vibe with the most. Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, after that season, you go, you redshirted and then, uh, you're competing in the Crimson and Slate duel for the number one spot at 165 pounds, which uh, I I was thinking that you had a chance, but I wasn't sure the the competition and everything, how, how that was going to go. Did you have a good feeling during that summer and kind of the preseason as to what you were going to be going for in that sophomore year? Yeah. Um, are you talking about the, the redshirt freshman year or the redshirt? Yeah, redshirt freshman year, sorry. Redshirt freshman year. 
Um, or whichever yeah, year I, was your first, I, like I said, yeah, I can't remember your first, first year starting. Yeah. My redshirt freshman year is my first year starting and no, and I knew I'd have a shot. Um, and, and honestly, like I expected it for myself. Uh, I have lived up here every summer, you know, I've lifted, I lift every day all through the summer. I've wrestled almost every day all through the summer, you know, like I, I put in, I felt like I had the shot and, you know, and it was, it was bigger than making varsity at that point um, already for me. Um, you know, it's, it's always harder than you think it's going to be. And I took my lumps that first year in the lineup, but, but I think I knew I'd have the opportunity. And so just when the opportunity came, I wanted to be ready to go. What would you think, what would you say would be like the biggest transition that you had to learn? Cause that's always what you're, you're told is when you move up in level of competition, like going from high school to college, it's going to be faster than when you go from just being on the college team to starting, it's going to be even more. What was, what were the kind of steps, the hurdles that you had to clear at each step? Um, scoring, like just chain, being able to chain attacks together and chain shots together. Um, you know, in, in high school, you can kind of get by with some stuff. Like I had a, I could, I had a good snap down go behind and I could get to a single leg in high school. Um, you know, I got to college and, you know, coach Pfeiffer had me shooting 500 high crotches over Christmas break, like things like that. Like, like being able to just recognize your opportunities, um, and staying a step ahead. I think I was, had a habit early on of being super reactive and, you know, it's still something I have to work on today is kind of waiting for waiting for the guy I'm wrestling to make a mistake. But just being able to recognize your chances to score um, is huge. And then being able to wrestle when you're tired um, was a, a huge, huge part of what I figured out um, like I, I had to do was learn to wrestle when you're tired and take advantage of every chance you get to score. Yeah, that the counter style was something that we Rev and I, when we were talking about it on the radio, noticed that early on. Like, yeah, you, it, the offense was always there. You could always get to a shot if you needed to, but you could tell you were way more comfortable trying to go off of what the other guy did instead yeah. of maybe dictating the match. And that's a lesson I can remember from my wrestling days was always like wrestle to win, don't wrestle not to lose. And I feel like that's something that a lot of athletes, especially when they get to college, have to learn is like, there's a difference between just doing something to be okay and doing something to actually take advantage of the situation. So it sounds like during that first season and then going into the year where you end up qualifying for your first national tournament, that was kind of the the steps that you took to, to get yourself into that position. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot for sure. And yeah, getting out of that win at all costs mindset. I mean, it, I, it took three years. It took, cause I was so just, brought up like do what you got to do to win and like I remember like the state tournament my senior year I locked up and I still won it but I won every match by like two points and it was boring and I hated it and and that mindset like it's not something you just flip it took it took me years to learn how to just perform once you finally did that you probably perform like you feel like you wrestle a lot better now you might not even be that much better of a wrestler but it just feels a little bit more natural once you get that that final mental hurdle out of you yeah absolutely so then that season that you do qualify obviously we're going to get to the ending of that and I want to kind of save that but going into that initial season so you qualify for the 2020 NCAA D2 tournament at what point did you kind of have it in your mindset 
Was it maybe you're dominating the Armac dual season? I know that was the year where you guys split the, the conference championship with Mines. Or was it maybe a tournament that you went in that you were not expected to do to make any noise in and you kind of ended up turning things around? So what was that point during the season where you were like, I'm going to be a national qualifier? Um, so that was a crazy year. So um, we st- like at the start of that year, we were planning on – I was going to cut to 57. And – I made it for the Cowboy Open barely. Who did you do um, that, by the way? If you've ever if you've ever seen Hunter, 157 would probably be like uh, not not a good situation for you. It was bad. It was I was tiny, and I barely and I went one and two. I didn't wrestle good, and a lot of it was. And then I the next week I missed weight for the Shattered Duel, and that was kind of a point where like there was some adversity there, and I didn't really handle it too well. Um, Cause a lot of it was me, like a lot of it, I was trying to cut a lot of weight at once. I wasn't really descending well. So a lot of it was just these discipline hurdles that I had to get over um, that I didn't really handle too well. So then the week I tried to make 57, go back up to 65 for a couple of weeks and then Ruger got hurt. And so coach Pfeiffer comes up to me after practice one day and he's like, Hey, we want to slide you in at 84 for the Mesa duel. And I go in wrestle 84 for the Mesa duel. Cause I would get big. Like I would like, I walk around in the summers at 80 and I'm used to wrestling big guys. And so, uh, go to the Mesa duel, win a crazy match. Um, then go to the Midwest classic and went Oh, and two. And so that was like, dude, what the heck? Like this is just not panning out. Um, so then I start. And so the way cutting weight works is you have to, you can only lose like one and a half percent of your body fat body weight per week. And so I was on a descent plan back down to 65 for like most of the season or like the whole second semester. So there was a point in the year where I was like, man, I'm not even going to get a spot. Like, what am I running out of time to qualify at that point? And so we go to New Mexico Highlands and I'm at, it's my like second competition I can make 65 for. And I miss weight for that. And I've never, like miss weight in my life. And it was just like kind of the same thing, like just the discipline aspect of it and the paying attention to details and like stuff like that. So at that point I miss weight and I'm like, dude, my season's done. And, you know, and I ended up getting, getting like, it was rock bottom pretty much as an athlete. Um, and so I ended up getting a shot at 65s, getting a spot. Um, so I didn't get the spot at 65 until probably two weeks before national or before regionals. And then I go and I lose the home duel against mines to Skylar Likens. And the next week I lose to Fred Green at home again. And so I'm like, man, what's, what is going on? But then, you know, like you get to the regional tournament and I had already, I got fifth as a freshman there. And I was kind of just, you kind of get to the point where you're just sick of being the guy that doesn't get the job done. And so that regional tournament, it was like, look, you already have never qualified. Like you might as well just let it all hang. Like, you got nothing to lose. Like you've had a rough season, like just go wrestle as hard as you can. And so honestly, after really at the regional tournament, I was like, you know what, I'm going to freaking get the job done. And so that was probably the first point in the season where I really had like some belief in myself and what I could do. And it didn't, I mean, it ended up working out. Yeah. And and that's going to make my next question even more interesting to get your answer. 
Coach Pfeiffer comes down to you guys wherever he made the announcement. It's March 2020. You guys are at the regional tournament, like on site. You just finished one of your pre, pre-tournament roles, and Coach Pfeiffer comes and tells you guys, hey, tournament's been taken away from, from you. What was kind of – can you put that moment into words? Are there even words to describe what you were feeling at that point? No, man. It was – it was brutal. Um, I've never seen more grown men cry in my life. Like, I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking for sure. And, and in the moment, you don't know how to react. Like in the moment, the first thing I think is like, all right, I got to call my dad. Like they're on their way up here. And you're at first, you're just mad and you just hate everything. And it's, it was so stupid and you're just bitter and then you get you get back to Gunnison and you're just sad. You're like, you really truly realize like the opportunity that you just got taken from you. And like I was bitter about it for a long time. Like a long time. And it was just, it was just more sad than anything. Like it is was that, frustrating. Is that bitterness? Cause I saw your post and that's kind of why I reached out to you after the national tournament. Is that bitterness kind of what led to maybe your your spiral downward a little bit during the pandemic it wasn't anything major but like it's it's tough like I don't even know how I would react in that situation and and you learn that you get all of that eligibility back so it doesn't even really affect your time in college but where you may be wondering if you're going to get another chance to qualify and and if and, and that maybe caused a little bit of your your it's called a. I, I can't think of any other word besides rumspringing now, like the, what the Mennonites do for the year yeah. if they want to decide if they want to stay in the culture. What, what, what do you think that maybe was contributed to it a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think I knew I wasn't done wrestling. Like I knew that. Like there was no part of me that was worried about my about continuing to wrestle. Um, I think it was more like I just let once that happened, I just let my emotions take control of me for a while. And so that summer I kind of like, we can't wrestle. We can't work out together. Like, you know, I kind of just let myself go and let my discipline go um, outside of wrestling. So like the, the work never changed is like the way I like to think about it. Like I was still like finding ways to lift. I was still like, I mean, I was driving 45 minutes to an hour just to find a wrestling mat um, anywhere I could um, to get on. So the work didn't change, but all the stuff outside of it had gone, you know, like I wasn't sleeping. I was partying, you know, like just like kind of letting it get a little out of control. Um, And it was probably like halfway through the summer that, or no, not even halfway, probably toward the end of the summer that I was like, dude, you got to dial in. Like, this is, you're not the only one suffering from this. Like, like just kind of get over yourself a little bit. And, and so it was, it was tough, but you know, I like it, it helped me. It had to happen. Did anybody, did you have like a mentor? Did any of the coaches maybe notice what was going on and and try and pull you back to where you were? Was it truly just maybe your own kind of, like we said, getting rid of the ego that you you're completely right. Was it more of an internal driver or did you have a mentor to maybe reach out and try and pull you back? I think it was maybe a little more internal. Um, like the coaches are always there. Like they'll always talk to you. I think there was a lot of stuff that I tried to hide, like just, a, and it, a lot of it was emotional, like got super depressed, got super 
just mad at everything. And, and a lot of that stuff I would try and cover up. So, you know, really a lot of it was like, look, man, you can still be a two-time national champ. And like, you're, you're that guy and you're the guy that people on the team are looking to. Um, so you gotta, like, you gotta be that. And it might not be what you want to do right now, but it's what you got to do. Um, so a lot of it was just like a lot of things like that. You got to figure out on your own. It's sounds like, you know, there was a lot that, that had to go in it. And then after you get through all of that, you come back and we talked about you being on Supernaz hip. Did, did you kind of feel when you made that transition back and you were able to get back in the room? Did you maybe feel like you were the, the guy that people were trying to follow around and learn things from? Did, did you actually feel that when you got back to the room? Yeah, I think so. After, especially after the gap year, um, it was, and, and we have a great group of guys on the team that are like that. You know, we have that, that core group of, you know, me, Hannenberg, Fats, Patty, Jimmy, Ruger, Sammy. And like, you can name 15 guys um, that are like that, but, but I knew it was kind of like, all right, like you, you got to take on this leadership role. And especially after being away from the team for a whole year, and having to hold myself accountable through a whole winter and keep on training. And cause like I, even during the gap year, I was still training every day and I was coaching and I was staying in shape and wrestling whenever I could. Um, but I think just the, the fire got lit to compete, but it also got lit to be around like-minded people. Yeah. Did, was there anybody that maybe was maybe mad at you that you took the gap year, obviously missing out on having somebody like you in the lineup, isn't going to bode well for the team. Were, were there people that were maybe mad at you for, for taking that time away? Maybe didn't understand the full nature of your situation. No, I don't think so. I mean, not that I talked to, I mean, pretty much the people who I talked to about it, it was, you know, me and me and Piper talked about it. And then me and my dad talked about it and, and yeah, me and my mom and dad both, uh, sat down and discussed it. And it was a, it was a two day conversation. Um, it was, Hey, I think, I think this would be good for me, you know, take a year, make some money coach and just kind of figure some stuff out in a year that we weren't sure what was going to happen anyway. Um, cause at that point, when I decided to take the year off, we, I didn't know about us getting the year of eligibility back. Um, and so I thought, you know, this is what might be best for me. And, uh, so did coach Pfeiffer and so did my parents. And so after that, I didn't really talk to a whole lot of people about it. Um, you know, I'd made my decision. Probably a good way to go about it because then you don't ever have to second guess what, what you did decide and, and don't have to go back on it. Um, can you maybe put into words that feeling of getting mad Jack back across your chest and, and pulling off a win for the, for the first time back after the gap year, after the national tournament being canceled, is there a better feeling that you've experienced in a wrestling, in a, in a wrestling situation? It's up there. I mean, like going out against San Francisco and putting up 20 points in a match, the first duel of the year, that was, that was an awesome feeling. Um, and, you know, and, and it, it all goes by so fast that you don't even feel like you skipped a whole year. Um, it doesn't, it wasn't like I was coming back into this new foreign thing that I was new to, but just the feeling of, all right, like we're right back in it. Like, let's, let's keep working. Let's go right back to work. 
there isn't much better way to start your season, especially after you haven't competed in a long time, than a tech fall over an opponent that, you know, you guys handled them fairly easily, but like that had to set a, a decent tone throughout the rest of the year. So we talked about your first trip to nationals and it was basically like a last second switch that got flipped in regionals. So for this past year, uh, obviously starting things off with a tech fall and then moving forward, did it go smoothly or were there bumps in this road to the national tournament as well? Um, I mean, there were bumps, but I think I had learned so much just through everything, you know, through the whole, the two years before, um, that, you know, you like kind of going back to it, like, all right, I'm just, I'm going to get the job done. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And then I'm going to do a few things that I'm not supposed to do, but they're going to be good things. And just being able to compartmentalize everything, like, you know, like, you know, maybe I had a rough weight cut two years ago, it would have been downhill. Um, but now it's like, all right, it's just part of it. Like that part's over. Um, so there were bumps in the road. Like I'd, was made the finals at the Carney open and got tech fall by Matt Malcolm who ended up winning a national title this year. Um, and that was tough. And then Midwest classic, I come out and go Oh, and two or go two and two lost in the quarterfinals and then lost first round of backside. And so there were little bumps like that, but like going back to the coaches, like, you know, they were just always just kept believing in me. And like, I remember after Midwest classic, we're on the plane riding. Midwest, it was kind of one of those tournaments where I like locked up and wrestled tight and I hadn't really wrestled tight all year, but I did then. And, you know, coach Pfeiffer says, Hey, like, as soon as, as soon as your fear of, as soon as your fear of wrestling, not to your potential is bigger than your fear of losing, you're going to take off. And, and I took that to heart and I, you know, wrote it up and put it on my wall, you know, yeah. like my, my fear of my fear of not competing well is bigger than my fear of losing. And just things like that, that they just ingrained to, into you like, the whole time you're here. Um, you got to let it click for yourself. And, and so I think Midwest Classic was a huge turning point in my season, for sure. So let's go into now the, the few days leading up to the tournament. And it, there had to be a lot of emotion because it, it had basically been two years to the day where you got your, your first chance taken away. Um, mm -hmm what were your feelings going into maybe that first competition of the national tournament, the, those nights leading up in the hotel? Was it, did you have a lot of nervous energy? Did you maybe feel calm? What, what was the vibe going into the tournament? I was super calm. Um, I always, I get way more nervous for regionals and nationals, um, or at least this year I did uh, because I was, I was supposed to be at the national tournament. Um just based on how, how it worked out and, you know, the way the season played out, I was supposed to be there. Um, so really leading up to the tournament we had the group of guys we had going, I mean, it doesn't get much more relaxed than going with Fats and Hannenberg to a tournament. Um, and so it was, it was fun. And, you know, we, we knew that the work had been done and, and that we all deserved to be there and that we had, had earned it and belonged there. And so really leading up, leading up to nationals, it was just, it was, kind of just business as usual. Um, nothing, nothing really crazy or special. Um, I was, I was pretty calm and cool going in. And then you go through, you end up all American getting all American status and a seven place finish for your first true time at the national tournament. Uh, 
what did you learn and what are you going to take to next season now that you've actually competed there? You've, you've qualified for it. You've now competed in it. You've become an all American and placed at the tournament. Obviously we know what the next goal in your mind is, but what did you take from that experience to that's going to help you in the off season and leading into the 2023 year? Just any, anyone can get the job done. You know, you got to be, anyone can be the best wrestler in that tournament on one day. Um, you know, they, they say that everyone's zero and zero going to nationals and it, it's so true. Um, and, and, and knowing that it can happen to you, like you can be the guy that gets upset, but you can also be the guy that goes on a tear and runs through the tournament. Um, and so I think just that belief and, and knowing that like, I'm, I'm on the right track and the team's on the right track and, and just keep, you know, anything, anything that one of my coaches says, man, that's gold because, because that's, that's what got me here. And, and so I think it's just confidence, you know, like I'm gunning for it. I'm right there. You seem focused. And the, we talked a little bit before we started recording, you took spring break off and you were already trying to bite through your seatbelt to get back in the wrestling room and Gunnison when you're on your way back. So it seems like you have things in the right place. And I know that I have faith. I know that the listeners who've listened to coach Pfeiffer on, that was like the main thing, the main feedback we got when we had coach Pfeiffer on, we, we came down and, and we're at the high Alpine brewing company with him. And people were just like, that guy can get you to do anything. Like he is the oh, perfect yeah. motivator. I could, I could go storm Normandy if coach Pfeiffer gave me a pregame speech before that. Yeah. And, and him and Dono and Summers and Glenn, man, there's, there's no better group of guys I'd rather be around. And yeah. And and there's nothing like nothing like going out and being like, hey, man, this it works like it, it just works. The stuff that they tell you, if you buy into it, nothing beats belief and nothing beats belief in them. So it's almost awesome. like they know what they're talking about. huh? Yeah, no kidding. All right. Uh, I've, I've taken up taken up enough of your uh, your second snack time post practice. So uh, rapid fire questions. We do this with all of our guests. We'll, we'll let you finish up with these. Uh, what's your favorite trip that you've gone on in your college wrestling career? Favorite wrestling trip. Um, so we went down to South Carolina two years ago and wrestled some duels at Newberry and I didn't wrestle good. I went one and three, but it was just a super fun trip um, to be with the team the whole time and get to travel that far. Um, it was really fun. And then really any time, really just any long road trip, uh, is, is fun just hanging out on the bus in the hotel with the guys. Like those are, those are some good memories. Uh, favorite place that you've lived on campus or in Gunnison. I'll, I'll give you both since I know that you're not on campus anymore. Um, dude, right here, my trailer house. I freaking love it. Got it. That's one, that's one thing that came out of gap here is uh, found a house and was able to get it. And I love it here. So uh, your go-to restaurant in town, what, what's your, what's the best restaurant in Gunnison? I asked five. Will this when he was on too, so I'm not just singling you out. Okay, Five B's Barbecue. Uh-huh. He went. Five. He went old minor, but that was only because he he worked there. So yeah. Five B's got the best wings I, in town. No, what does Five B's have the best wings in town for Wing Wednesday? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Right. I think so. I love Five B's. Uh, who's your travel partner? Who'd you sit next to on the on the bus or the plane? Who'd you room with? Who was your guy? Um. So I've, me and Sammy have always roomed together since we were red, since we were freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we always, always make sure we get in the hotel room together. Um, travel buddy, you know, kind of just hang out with everybody um, on the trip. You kind of find your way to different guys. But in terms of in terms of hotel roommates, it's always been Sammy D. Uh, and then the last one that I have, if you have a single meal that you can cheat with and you're still going to make weight after you eat it. So this is like you're in the thick of trying to get down, but you can eat whatever you want and you're not going to gain any weight from it. What's your go to meal? Probably chicken fried steak and potatoes, dude. Nice. Like, or no, probably just steak and potatoes, not chicken fried, just steak, just steak and potatoes. I eat it almost every night anyway. And, and I just can't get enough of it. Well, you wrestlers are also simple. There's yeah. meat and potatoes and that's, that's about it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do the meat and potatoes. And I'm going to come back and, and that's all. Uh, yep, that's all you need. No, Hunter, I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome getting you on and, and talking to you a little bit more about your, your time at Western uh, obviously I'm, I'm rooting for you. The people that have listened to coach Pfeiffer, I know that if he's listening, coach McMahill, big shout out to you guys. I'm hoping to get down at, at least see you guys wrestle. Maybe if you come up to uh, golden at some point, I'll, I'll try and get out there, but it's been great having you on and, and talking with you. And I can't wait to see how you get, you come back for your final season of college. I'm, I don't know if you've thought about that yet, but you're, you're coming up on your last, last ride. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's always, always fun. Always good to see you. So thank you for, for letting me take up some time. No problem. Go Mountaineers. Uh, and we'll see everybody back here on Wednesday for uh, our regularly scheduled podcast. But be sure to check Hunter out. Follow along if you're a fan of Armac Wrestling, uh, Western Colorado, 165-pounder. Or are you going – you moving weights? Are you sticking to 165s? I'm, I'm a career 65. There you go. 165 Western Colorado at Moldozer7 on social media. Is that right? There we go. Follow Hunter, keep up with him, and uh, be sure to check us out coming back on Wednesday for our next episode.